Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. It's Thursday, June 9th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. Another round of primaries across the country teases more of what to expect once we get to the midterms. In California, we saw a turnout problem for Democrats and a blow to progressive district attorneys with the successful recall of the San Francisco DA. Crime and homelessness figures to be a top issue in the LA mayor's race, and we'll tell you how Trump's picks also fared. David Siders, national political correspondent at Politico, joins us for top takeaways. Next, more than 90 women and girls have filed $1 billion in claims against the FBI for the mishandling of the Larry Nassar investigation. Nasser was a doctor to the National Women's Gymnastics team when concerns were reported to the FBI and they didn't take the claim seriously, didn't document evidence received, and made false statements to cover their mistakes in the investigation. Louise Radnofsky, sports reporter at the Wall Street Journal, joins us for more. Finally, a new study is showing that a drug approved to treat type 2 diabetes is also extremely effective at reducing obesity. The drug called terzepatide works on hormones that help control blood sugar and send signals to the brain that the stomach is full. Karen Weintraub, health and medicine reporter at USA Today, joins us for how this drug has the potential to change the way doctors treat weight-related issues. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. I don't think they want to wrap their arms around somebody who wants exactly what Joe Biden is doing to the rest of this country. I will continue to defend you from him and from the federal government. Joining us now is David Siders, National political correspondent at Politico. Thanks for joining us, David. Thanks for having me. Well, we had another round of primaries in California, Iowa, Mississippi, Montana, New Jersey, New Mexico, and South Dakota. We uh, wanted to bring you on to talk about some top takeaways of what's going on. So let's start off in California, where there was a, a number of things going on. First off, Democrats are we're really starting to get worried about a turnout problem, and it seems like that's what's going on. Obviously, it's a primary. It's not a big general election, but still, that's always concerning. Yeah. I mean, part of this is that Democrats always worry, but there are some reasons this time to be concerned. You know, I mean, historically, primary turnout, like you just mentioned, I think is not predictive of general election turnout. But this is a year where Democrats are facing a miserable landscape and any metric that shows a problem with enthusiasm or you know disinterest from the base is going to be concerning. So if you're a Democrat in Washington, looking at California, where you know, it's the citadel of progressivism, right? And, and you see this really, really low turnout. Yeah, that's raising some alarms. 
Let's move on to uh, one of the big things that a lot of people were interested in, the recall effort against the San Francisco District Attorney, Chesa Boudin. Now, he was recalled by a margin of about more than 20% as what we were seeing the returns come in. So a uh, very liberal area. Uh, he was a progressive district attorney, which, you know, for a little while, that's kind of where the movement was going. But we've seen the issues of crime go up and how crime has been handled. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are pointing to it like, you know, is this going to be a shift away? Is our Democrats turning their backs on, on all this stuff? So tell us about that recall. I, I mean, in part, his, his recall had lots of localized issues that won't pretend anything nationally. But there is something going on here. And that is that crime didn't work for Donald Trump in 2020 when he tried to beat Biden over the head with that. He just wasn't able to make a stick. But Republicans, I think, think they can now with rising violent crime rates around the country, cities where there's lots of crime. And so Democrats are are worried about that and they should be. And so part of this, I think, is a pushback or a, you know, a moderation of where the party is. It's just plain in the vote. On the other hand, the movement's not dead. There are other progressive prosecutors out there. One an important one won in New Mexico last night at the same time. So I think the jury's a little bit still out, but definitely yeah. it's a pushback. Before we leave California, the race for L.A. mayor, for Los Angeles mayor. Now, this is going to be a, a runoff between billionaire developer Rick Caruso and Representative Karen Bass. Now, this is an interesting race. You know, Caruso was winning, but there was a big crowded field. And uh, obviously, Representative Karen Bass uh, has a lot of good name recognition. That one's going to be pretty close when it comes to the runoff to the general in, in November. I think. I, I mean, it's some of the same dynamics that we're playing in San Francisco, definitely apparent in Los Angeles. Caruso is all about crime and homelessness, uh, former Republican. I think what is difficult for him is that even though he came out or was last night was leading in, in the vote total, those other people who got votes that aren't Karen Bass, the ones who don't advance, those are Democrats. And it's likely that those votes will shift more towards Karen Bass than they would to Caruso. I think that she has life in in L.A. is what I would say. You made mention in your article is one of the top takeaways, Christy Noam in South Dakota. You know, a lot of people always look to uh, Iowa to see, you know, any inklings they can for 2024. But you're saying in South Dakota with Christy Noam, that that was really the thing to watch. Well, as far as 2024 was concerned, and, and let's be honest, Tuesday night was light on 24. But to the extent that there was something interesting, I do think Noam's massive victory there, was, I think beyond 75%, is notable. And yeah, she was expected to win. Her opponent was very marginal. But keep in mind that this is a governor who had been beaten up pretty well uh, for her first term. First of all, she nearly lost election in 2018. And then it's been a tough few years. And so now I think there is an opportunity for her to to reset there in South Dakota and uh, I think plainly still a potential vice presidential, if not presidential, candidate in 24. Finally, with all of this, obviously, we have to talk about former President Trump. You know, he's been playing this role of kingmaker, making choices in all sorts of races, even for people he doesn't really know very well. How did he fare here? It still seems that one would certainly have the want to have the endorsement of President Trump. But how did he fare in this contest? Yeah, you definitely do want, if you're a Republican, the endorsement of Trump. But I think every Tuesday, both Trump, who's obsessed with this stuff, and you know, observers look to see how his endorsed candidates or the people he likes or dislikes are doing. And last night, 
It was not a blockbuster election like in Georgia a couple of weeks ago where he got you know, just humiliated. But there were five of the 35 House Republicans who voted for the bipartisan January 6th commission on ballots and all survived to fight another day, some of them winning by large margins. So, you know, that is, I think, puts a, another point on the if you're looking at the scale of Trump's influence, the yes, is still the kingmaker, still yeah. uh, in charge of the party, but maybe the most important thing in the party, but not the definitive thing in the party. David Siders, national political correspondent at Politico. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. These men did nothing, and they allowed dozens of little girls to be brutally molested by one of those predatory doctors in American history. Joining us now is Louise Radnovsky, sports reporter at The Wall Street Journal. Thanks for joining us, Louise. Thanks for having me. Well, let's talk about this lawsuit that has arised. Uh, more than 90 women and girls, uh, including some of the top gymnasts that we all know, Simone Biles, Michaela Maroney, Maggie Nichols, Ali Raisman, they were all wrapped up into this uh, horrible man, Dr. Uh, Larry Nasser. He was the doctor to the National Women's Gymnastics Team. You know, they flagged a lot of stuff that was happening to the FBI. And, you know, we had this inspector general's report that said the FBI was lagging, didn't report some of the details, all that. Well, now they've come back and they filed suit against the agency, collectively seeking $1 billion. It's a, a huge amount here. So, Louise, help us walk through what we're seeing with this latest development. There are two different arguments being put forward in this group. There are the four gymnasts that you named who were the elite gymnasts who were first identified in the summer of 2015 as being potential victims of Larry Nassar and who are saying that the additional knowledge that speaking up wasn't enough has caused them great distress and that so has the knowledge that other women and girls were not saved by the FBI when they spoke up and were instead abused because Larry Nassar went he stopped treating the U.S. women's gymnastics team. He was allowed to quietly retire by USA Gymnastics. But he continued to see patients in Michigan for more than a year 
after the FBI was notified of concerns about him. And dozens of women and girls who are part of this group are also arguing that they would not have been assaulted at all or again right. in some cases, but had, had the FBI listened to what they say were credible claims and corroborating evidence. Tell us a little bit more about this Inspector General's report that we got from the Justice Department that was very critical of the FBI. And, you know, they said that they didn't take uh, some of the claims seriously. They didn't document the evidence they received. And they, they didn't even contact the local FBI agency there to uh, just even to refer the case or anything like that. The Inspector General's report that came out last summer and had been waited for for a long time by many of many of the people involved in this case was definitely very damning of the FBI and particularly the Indianapolis field office. And it is striking that the administrative tort claims that were filed on Wednesday draw heavily on the findings of the Justice Department's own Inspector General. The claim also notes the apology, the admission of wrongdoing that has come from the FBI director, Christopher Wray, about what happened in this case prior to him being the director of the FBI because he started in 2017. But to really drive home the point that the group is making, that the FBI has been widely described to have messed up in this case and mostly by its own colleagues within the Justice Department. Right. Christopher Ray did say, you know, that they've made a lot of changes since this. They obviously learned from the experience and all that. What have they changed in response to what happened? Among the new requirements or the reinforced requirements is one that agencies need to notify other agencies and state and local level ones in particular about uh, allegations like this, particularly when they involve children, which the Nasser case certainly did. You know, the Justice Department Inspector General report gets in a little bit to some of what went wrong in Indianapolis. The agents didn't necessarily know whether a crime had been committed. They didn't necessarily know who might have jurisdiction over it. They also, as the report notes in great detail, did not really attempt to follow up on any of that. And finally, they made false statements later to try to cover their tracks, right. which was also one of the, the particularly egregious notes in there. Yeah, Michaela Maroney, part of her claims also say that there was misrepresentations made about her by the FBI agents. And, you know, some of the stuff that they had an interview with her, they didn't document any of that stuff until way later after, I guess, some of the there was reporting being done about uh, from the Wall Street Journal about the investigation. You, yes. Then they started reporting that. I mean, that it was like two years later that they that they did that. And the, the subsequent write-up contained what Michaela Maroney has said or, or statements that are just nothing she ever said or would say because they're wrong. The FBI, the you know missteps that they've done has led to other large settlements very recently, you know, most notably in the 2018 shooting by uh, Nicholas Cruz. The FBI was warned through tip lines about him, uh, you know, that he could be a danger to others. It was something they didn't act on. And then, you know, he went on to kill 17 people. So the FBI missteps have been in the public eye very recently. It's difficult to pursue claims against the federal government. But as I understand it, tort claims are one way that, that this can be done. And 13 other women who were assaulted by Nasser, who filed the first claim of this kind in late April, have said that they looked to the Parkland shooting claim as a model for what might be possible in, in their case, because again, it involved a, a not dissimilar failure to act by the FBI with terrible consequences. 
Louise Radnovsky, sports reporter at the Wall Street Journal. Thank you very much for joining us. Of course. But apparently this is enough to, I talked to one woman who said, you know, she used to stare at her pantry all day long and now she she's not obsessed with food in the same way. Joining us now is Karen Weintraub, health and medicine reporter at USA Today. Thanks for joining us, Karen. Of course. Thanks for having me. Well, we've been getting a lot of uh, interesting news about different medications and, and whatnot recently, different clinical trials. One that was interesting that we were seeing is uh, about a diabetes drug. So this is something that was just approved by the FDA very recently in May, terzepatide. I hope that's how you pronounce it. And so. it's, been doing, it's been doing really good in helping people with type 2 diabetes. But they're also finding that it resulted in pretty dramatic weight loss for the people that were participating in these trials. They were losing as much as 21% of their body weight. And now they did another study to see how much it could help just on the weight loss side of things. So, Karen, what do we know about this? Yeah, so this is the kind of weight loss that we've only seen before with surgery, people losing 50 pounds of excess weight. Uh, they're also exercising and, and watching their weight, but really it's kind of amazing to see that, that dramatic a, a drop in weight. And so how does this drug specifically work, trizepatide? Yeah, so this a new class of drugs, and this is part of that class, works on naturally occurring hormones that are in your body that basically send signals from your gut to your brain telling you you're full. And they also work against diabetes. But apparently this is enough to, I talked to one woman who said, you know, she used to stare at her pantry all day long, and now she, she's not obsessed with food in the same way. So how does this compare to other types of treatments, other obesity treatments? Right. So there was one that was approved last year. The generic name is semeglitude. I believe I pronounced that right. <laughs> and that one is nearly as effective, about 15% of body weight loss. And these are dramatically better than previous drugs, which only could help people lose about 5% of their weight. So three to four times better than previous drugs. What's not entirely clear with the newest drug, although seems to be true with semeglitide, is the medical effects. So we think that losing dramatic amount of weight should help resolve medical issues like diabetes, fatty liver disease, sleep apnea, things like that. But that's yet to be proven with this new drug, trisepatide. Yeah, this new drug has only been approved for the treatment of type 2 diabetes. It hasn't been exactly. for weight loss or anything. But when you get some really good results like this, it seems like that's something that would be on the horizon for it. Right. And it's not clear at the moment how soon it will be approved or whether whether it will be approved. They were supposed to complete four studies. They've only completed one out of the four so far, but the results were so strong that they're going to try to convince the FDA to consider this drug sooner, hopefully later this potentially later this year. Any type of side effects that we see with a drug like this? Yeah. So about 5% of the people in the trial dropped out because of GI side effects nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, things like that. The doctors I've spoken to said for the most part they can help their patients through that. One patient I talked to said if she took um, an anti-nausea medicine the day after her terzepatide that she was, uh, she was fine. I should add, by the way, that these are administered by injection, so you have to give yourself a shot once a week. So it was the day after that shot every week that she needed this anti-nausea medicine. And then always the important question, what about cost? How much do these treatments uh, cost a person? Yeah, so, so I think that's going to really affect how many people can go on these drugs right now. It's very hard to get coverage specific for obesity, a little bit easier for diabetes. But the semeglitude, which is on the market, 
called Wagovi for, for weight loss, uh, runs about $1,600 a month in some places. I found it for 6000 a month in one. So uh, it's not the kind of drug that you're going to be able to pay for. Most people are going to be able to pay for out of pocket. There's no price yet on terzepatide, but it's about 1000 a month, I think, for diabetes. Unclear if they'll charge different rates for weight loss. Tell me a little bit about Mary Brule of Norman, Oklahoma. She yeah. was a, a woman that participated in the diabetes trial for terzepatide, so right. not, not in the this one just specifically looking at the weight loss, but she said it changed her life. She did lose a ton of weight through this, and, and she's, uh, like I said, just complete 180 in her life now, and it's thanks to in part to this drug. And she's the one I mentioned who had the nausea issue and took an anti-nausea medicine and felt better. So for her, she ended up losing about 60 pounds in the nine months she was on the drug. She also uh, exercised. She loved hiking and was careful with her diet in that time period. But she had tried that before and really had been unsuccessful. And losing that amount of weight resolved fatty liver disease that she was developing and, and other health issues. She said particularly the energy. She didn't have the energy to do her hikes. She missed nature. And so once she lost the weight, she was able to exercise again and not fall asleep at 7 p.m. She could she could have a social life again. She's found a significant other, and it really has transformed her life, she said. Well, it'll be interesting to see if we start hearing more about this drug. As I mentioned, it's just kind of interesting to see how something for type 2 diabetes has these other positive side effects, really. And like I said, they're going to do these trials. They're going to see if it works. And if it does, that could be the new weight loss drug that's out there or a form of it. Right. That's the way these things always work. So we'll keep an eye out for all of that. And, and honestly, it's been like 40 years that researchers have been trying to understand weight gain, why the body holds on to weight. Something like 95% of people who try to lose weight can't or can't keep it off if they do lose weight. And so these drugs really are game changers potentially in, in that process. Uh, the other thing I should say, though, is that you have to keep taking them in order for them to keep working. So it's not like you can lose the weight and then go off the drugs. They are maintenance drugs like cholesterol or blood pressure medications. Karen Weintraub, health and medicine reporter at USA Today. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Daily Dive was produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.